0: a new series that we have titled Back to the Basics. This is our sermon series over the course of October and November, and um, this morning we're going to kick it off and get rolling. My thesis for the series, if you have the bulletin, you read a little bit of a blurb about it, but my thesis for the series goes like this. The best version of God to embrace is the one that is real, not the one we want him to be. That's my working thesis through this series that we're going to be talking about. And honestly, I can think of very little that is more pertinent to us, given our current political divide. Our current culture war, our current epoch of time, and in fact, there's very little that is more important to us than having a right view of God. God is not red, he's not blue, and he's not green. God is not black or brown or white. He's not even really constrained by gender or a human body. He's definitely not a God that's here to do our bidding for us. He's not more or less powerful with the swings of victory and defeat. He's not passive, but neither is he coercive. He is highly influential. But only for those who really have a heart to hear. So the question this morning is, do you have a heart to hear? Because God is above it all, and he loves all with an everlasting love. And for many of us this morning, coming through this most recent week, we need that kind of a reminder, don't we? So, take a look with me over here for a few minutes. Um, I'm curious, what do you see? What do you see on this board over here? I see a piece of paper. What else do you see? A hiding place. We see a stem. What is the stem pointing to potentially? A flower, right? So we see something that's covering up what could be potentially a flower. Is the flower real? We don't know, right? It could be real, it could be fake. What kind of flower is it? Let's just assume that there's a flower, it's a stem and a bud, right? Like, what kind of flower? Do we know? No idea, right? Well, does the flower smell? Do we know what kind of smell it has? Uh, you don't have any clue, do you? Does it smell good? Does it smell bad? We have no idea. We know that there's something there. How many would say there's something there? How many would say that the something's there sort of looks like a flower? Can we kind of get that far? And if we kept going, we could possibly discern something that has a long stem. We might be able to take this a little bit further than I have no idea, right? Right? Now, what I want you to do is I want you to pretend that what's behind this wax paper is God. Okay? For many of us, we think we know who he is. We study and we look intently into the Bible, and, but sometimes all we see is something that is really confusing. I can make out certain parts of who God is, but it's really hard to grasp the whole And so what we do is we dig into Scripture and we draw from certain parts and and we take it from maybe Old Testament views or we take it from the New Testament or we try to put it all together and get this grand, what we would call meta-narrative of Scripture to tell the whole story. And frankly, it's just really hard, isn't it? It's confusing to dig into the Bible and have certain aspects of God be so hard to comprehend. Sometimes we just We can miss it, right? We can miss the whole story because we're looking at little parts of who God is. And sometimes we can make up our minds that we think we know the whole because we've looked at the whole grand picture of things and we think we got it figured out. But you know, there's a lot of folks in our world that just kind of throw their hands up and they walk away. People who have gone to seminary and are pastors and they throw their hand... They walk away from the faith because who they thought they were worshiping. Who they thought they were serving wasn't really necessarily who he ended up to be for them or whatever. We, we get confused. And people have lost their faith over these kinds of questions because the conflicts and the pictures that we have are sometimes just really difficult. We want to serve God. We want to understand And my thesis is built upon the belief that that's what you want, that going back to the basics is rooted in the desire that each of us has to know who God is in the midst of this trying world that we live in. If that's not you, then I hope by the end of this morning to make a case that that's where we should be, because we're just kicking off the series, right? So... I hope to convince you that a right view of God and accurately grasping who God is is foundational to your life. You know, there's a lot of reasons that we don't understand who God is, for sure. Lots of different reasons. Greg Boyd, in a book that he has recently written, called cross vision, he says this, he says, what we see and hear is strongly conditioned by what we expect to see and hear. So many people in life are out there looking for an accurate picture of God, but what they're doing is they're going after God in a way that reinforces what they already think they know. They're not really open to the different views of God or the different perspectives of God and so basically we're just trying to reinforce what we already know. Jesus knew that in the New Testament and that's really why he spoke in parables. Jesus told his disciples that sometimes people just weren't ready to actually receive the truth of the gospel and in fact even his own disciples sometimes seem to miss the point especially about the end game that Jesus kept telling them about. John, the disciple in the New Testament, tells us this uh, through Jesus' words. He says, sometimes we're just not able to hear. Matthew, another one of Jesus' disciples, would say that sometimes one of the reasons we can't hear is that our hearts are actually hard. The, The soil is just been trampled down so much that we actually can't hear what God is saying to us. It could be for a number of reasons that we're distracted. We're distracted with life, distracted with kids, jobs, careers, all that. It could be a number of reasons. It could be that we're overly invested in something that we care about, like a Supreme Court candidate. It could be that we're not invested enough. I don't really care. There's any number of reasons why we can miss an accurate picture of who God is. The psalmist in the 18th chapter says this, To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. And an interpretation of that word shrewd is actually deceptive. The Hebrew word can be read differently there. In other words, I take this verse to mean that God meets each of us where we are. It's a whole line of thinking about trying to understand who God is and how He relates to His people down throughout history, but without getting into all of that, the idea portrayed in Psalm 18 verses 25 and 26 is that God is willing to meet us where we are and over time help shape our understanding of who He is as long as we want to grow there, we, as long as our hearts are ready and willing to receive him. Because when God meets us where we are, he never meets us there to coerce us to go elsewhere. He wants to make himself known. He wants to reveal himself. He's done that throughout the pages of history. His ultimate expression of revelation came through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have every opportunity, you and I, in this day and age, to know exactly who God is because of His Son, Jesus Christ. He meets us where we are as an act of love, working within the context of our own will, working within the context of our own culture, and all the different aspects of things that influence us. God meets us right there. And in his infinite love, because of his design to give us freedom of choice, he allows us to act upon him. I think that's a powerful concept. That in order to be truly free, we have to have the freedom to act upon him. In other words, we can overrule him when our hearts are hard. We can overrule Him when we're not ready to receive and listen. We we can go our own path and God is not there to coerce us to go elsewhere. That is our choice. His goal would be to influence you with His ultimate demonstration of love that He wants you to be in relationship with Him. And the further further into our progression of Christ-likeness. The further we go to become like him, the more we will actually be able to see and comprehend who Christ really is. That's called the journey of discipleship. God engages us in relation to our desire to receive and our desire to grow in conformity with him. We can be assured, and I assure you this morning, that God wants to be known. So much so that he did send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to walk and be one of us. To present himself, God, through his son, Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in Colossians that the son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is the image of of the invisible God. The writer of the Hebrews would tell us that the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. Jesus even told Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus was given to eliminate the separation from God to allow for a complete picture of who God is. Jesus is the glory of God. Paul, writing to the Corinthians in his second letter, chapter 3 and verses 14 through 18, he says this, We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Jesus Christ has torn away the veil. That's his work to reveal the beautiful dahlia underneath. And even looking at a beautiful dahlia, one of the prettiest flowers in the garden in late summer and fall, there's still so much we don't know about this. How many of you know where it's native to? Mexico. How many of you know how many different varieties and cultivars there are of the dahlia? Over 40. All different kinds of colors. It's beautiful. It can be grown just about anywhere. It's a tuber. You should pull it up before it goes into winter, or it will die over the winter, but it actually is considered a perennial. So much you can learn, right? And that's the idea is when Jesus tore the veil, all of a sudden the image of who God is became into full view. But there's so much more to be gained by digging in. Because just looking at the flower, I can call it a dahlia, but I have no idea about its nature, its character, where it grows, does it like sun, how much water to get. Like There's so much more to be had in the process. So let's go back to our thesis for today. The best version of God to know is the one that is real, not the one that we want Him to be. And at the heart of it is, to know God is to know His Son, Jesus Christ. To know and be known by God and be in a dynamic relationship with Him is the essence of life transformation. It was the pursuit of the Apostles It was the pursuit of the early church and certainly Paul when he said, I desire to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul, the greatest missionary, I desire to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. So the question is, how do we get down the path of this more complete understanding that we're desiring to get to? And my position for you through this series is that we go back to some of the basics. We go back to studying who God revealed himself to be through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, our knowledge of God is shaped by many things, is it not? Our knowledge of God is shaped certainly by the Bible, and if we read the Bible, we get some version of information but it's also conditioned by our cultural background it's conditioned by our church upbringing it's conditioned by our place in life our, it's conditioned by the world that surrounds us in our immediate surroundings right do i live in america do i live in africa do i live in india do i live in russia or brazil like context matters for how we understand who god is but one of the most important things oftentimes is our traditions How do our traditions inform who God is? What we must always be asking ourselves as we go through a study like this is what we have learned about God, who he really is, or just simply who I've created him to be? That's the question that we should all be asking ourselves. Martin Luther Part of the Reformation wrote these words in his letters to Erasmus. He says, your thoughts of God are just too human. Many years ago, I read a book titled Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. He was a straight shooting preacher from Chicago in the middle 20th century. And his words ring powerfully true today. He says this, it is my opinion that the Christian conception of God, current in these middle years of the 20th century, is so decadent As to be utterly beneath the dignity of the Most High God, and actually to constitute the professed believers something amounting to a moral calamity. Tozer goes on to say the harvest, the heaviest obligation lying upon the Christian church today is to purify and elevate her concept of God until it is once more worthy of Him and of her. Those are his words. Hearing those words, I think, can sting a little bit to lifelong Christians, to people who have been in the church all their life, to think that somehow our view of God isn't measuring up somehow. The question we have to ask is, what kind of God have we knowingly, or in many cases, unknowingly, created to worship? Is it a God who is all-loving, With justice that is simply rooted in forgiveness? Is it a God who is all judgmental, creating fear when we approach? Is he a God of anger? Is he a God who is just aloof, far off in the distance? It is a God who withholds satisfaction and relishes in our discomfort. Who is God? For many, we've unknowingly embraced the question, not as who is God, but who is God to me? And we failed to really dig into the word and find out who is God as revealed to us through his son and through his word. Isaiah, the prophets in the Old Testament, in chapter 55, he says this, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The psalmist would say something kind of similar in chapter 50. He would say this. When did these things, when you did these things, I kept silent. You thought... I was exactly like you. But I now arraign you and set my accusations before you. Kind of reminds me of Martin Luther's words. Your thoughts of God are just a little too human. God is most definitely not like us. And when I wrote that, I could hear somebody saying, but yeah, but we were made in his image, right? We, are, we're, we bear his image and And there is truth in the fact that he made us in his image. But until you can say that with utter humility, until you can say we were made in his image with reverent awe, we all remain quite separate and distinctly different. Because even Jesus, Paul says in Philippians, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped for his own sake. Let's not cling to the fact that we are made in God's image. Yes, we were, but God is somebody to be worshipped. Our goal must be, and I hope that throughout this series, our goal is to align our theology, which is a big word to say our understanding of God, with who God actually is. Because too often we shape God into our own image and we fit him into our own theology sometimes that theology is shaped by our politics sometimes it's shaped by our Christian traditions sometimes it's shaped by our families, sometimes it's shaped by all kinds of things except the Bible there's something inherently dangerous when we're trying to fit God in to an image but yet Here's the good news. God's been working with people throughout time who have all had that same struggle. And we have the revelation that we have of who he is today because he's stuck with us, because he will stick with you, because he loves you, even in the midst of all that we don't know or think we know. God's revelation is real. God loves us, he understands us, and he has graciously revealed himself to us so that we don't have to wonder what's behind the wax paper, what's behind the veil, what's in the Holy of Holies, if you went back to the Old Testament. Charles Spurgeon is quoted as saying this, Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul, of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of the deity. The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ and Him crucified and the knowledge of the Godhead in the glorious Trinity. Let me just give you one more from J.I. Packer. He says this, knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives if we disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life as it were with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you this way you can waste your life and lose your soul as we start this series over the course of the next month and a half as we work our way through some of the attributes of God There's one attribute I really want you to, I want to stick with you this morning, and that is the attribute of his non-coercion. He's not a coercive God. He's not going to coerce a right view out of you. He's going to humbly, and he has throughout time, humbly, lovingly, graciously, and miraculously reveal himself to us but he's going to let us draw our own conclusions. That's the exercise of your free will. So I go back to our thesis this morning. Remember that the best version of God to embrace is the one that really exists, not the one that we want him to be. As we go back to the basics in our understanding, we have the opportunity this morning to kind of launch into that through the receiving of the elements this morning. We call it communion. Some people call it the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. There's many different names by which we know communion. But I'd like to take a few minutes to just ponder what we have heard. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, and they're just going to play a song for us. You can sing along, or you can write on a connection card that's in front of you. Just jot your thoughts down or put them in a note, journal of some sort. Today is World Communion Sunday. Brothers and sisters and churches, Christian churches around the globe are celebrating the sacrament of the Lord's Supper today. So it's kind of fun to think about our participation with others around the globe. But let's make sure that as we enter into receiving the elements this morning, that we're opening up our minds and opening up our hearts to receive who God is in this journey. This God that loves us, loved us so much to send his son into this world. To be with us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I humbly stand here before you and before these people, recognizing my own humanity, recognizing my own weakness, my own propensity even to paint you into an image that I want you to be. And Lord, I have stood convicted before you Already. And now, Lord, as I prepare to receive the elements myself and to deliver them, Lord, I pray on behalf of all of us that we will rightly divide your word of truth, that we will allow it to penetrate into our hearts, that we will adequately consider our own sinfulness our own propensity to make you into something that we want you to be rather than who you are. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, the grace and the mercy that you have extended to each of us over time. And Lord, we thank you that we stand together today in a new age, in a new season, in a new epoch of time where your Son has already and revealed your true nature and as we consider that today as we partake in the elements Lord I pray that our hearts will be clear our minds will be centered and we will be prepared Lord Jesus to renew the covenant with you that you made with us I thank you today Lord And we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.